0: Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, the founder of Alzheimer Speaks, and also a daughter of a mother who lived with dementia for 30 years. So I, I get the frustration, the guilt, the isolation, the exhaustion, And all that comes with dementia, and luckily, I was able to find that other side, the joy, the purpose, the passion, the intimacy in terms of learning to communicate differently as the disease progressed. Our goal here is to raise everyone's voice all around the world and to shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. And I hope you will join us and help spread the word by uh, liking, clicking, sharing um, these links, because there are so many people in your own spheres of influence that are most likely dealing with this that you don't even know about. And the more information we can get to them, the more they can see how many people are dealing with this, the easier their journey is going to be. So I'm so glad that, you, that you've that you taken the time to join us today. Um, We, like I said, are all about raising, raising voices. And so you as a listener could easily be our next guest. Maybe you are having symptoms or have been formally diagnosed. Maybe you are a family member caring for a loved one or a friend or a business professional that is providing services uh, to uh, both those diagnosed and families. Maybe you're an author, a singer, a songwriter, a researcher. An advocate. Everyone's voice is welcome. As long as we have a respectful conversation, we are off to the races. We also can help businesses expand their brand footprint by leveraging all of our different platforms. You see, the radio isn't the only thing we do. We have a blog. We have a YouTube channel. We do a thing called Dementia Chats, where I facilitate a conversation with people living with dementia. And they tell us what they uh, feel and see and the changes that they would like to occur and the supports they would like to have for both themselves and their friends and families dealing with this. So think about that. Um, Think about your own story. We each have one, and we would love to be able to share it with the world. So just reach out to me. Go to alzheimerspeaks.com. There's a big contact button in the upper right-hand corner. Now, before I introduce our guest today, I want to give a shout-out because not everybody knows about uh, Alzheimer's Disease International, and they put out a world report every year, and that is now available and you can access that by just going to our main website, AlzheimerSpeaks.com. Um, you can also access, and there's not much time left on this, the World Dementia Council is doing a survey on what What are you doing that is dementia friendly? They're trying to get information in terms of research studies, but they also know that a lot of people don't have the money to do the research. So they want to find out what is working and what what do we need to push forward there. Um, the memory cafe directory, I would be amiss if I didn't mention that. Powerful, powerful group of liked-mind people on a liked-mind journey, and it's for people with dementia and their care partners. You'll laugh, you'll cry together, support one another, and really bond quite heavily in these groups. Just go to memorycafedirectory.com, and you can find where there is a cafe in your location. The U.S. now has over 800 of these, and I'm so proud of that number, and it's growing every single month. Um, Dave, who puts this directory together, is also um, putting together locations for other countries as well. And then, of course, I want to give a shout-out to Stall Catchers. This is where we, as individuals, can play a game and actually diagnose real Alzheimer's data. So just go to stallcatchers.com for that one. And what else can I say? I have to thank um Artist Senior Living for sponsoring me, going to a uh, few events with them uh, this month, and Deep Haven Woods um, of Minnetonka and also um, the Trails of Orono. Uh We just had some wonderful events. And next month I will be heading out to Massachusetts in Reading in Lexington, November 13th in 15. So if you're in those areas or know of somebody, uh, please come out and see me. And then November 20th through the 23rd, I am going to be down with the East Alabama area on aging with uh, Alabama Cares, which will just be a, a very fun, fun time too. So today we are going to be talking with a grandson who has put a new twist on how to find out history about your loved one and how to, how to build a relationship when you're dealing with dementia. And so we have Alex Leff with us and he is the director of Now and Again, which is an upcoming documentary about his grandfather's struggle with Alzheimer's and also his adventure with his brother to go and find their grandfather's lost memory. And he's going to tell us about that today. So I'm really excited to to have you with us, Alex. How are you doing today?
1: Hi, Lori. Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing good.
0: Well, good. And where are you located, Alex?
1: I'm currently located in LA. Um, I grew up in Philadelphia and spent a lot of time in my Northeast, but about a year ago moved out here. So far from home, very different weather than I'm used to, but a little warmer. So that's kind of nice.
0: Well, hopefully, you're staying away from the fires and the mudslides that they have out there. And it's just, I think it's a very different climate that you're dealing with, but it's gorgeous out there. I absolutely adore, adore California. Well, why don't you know, I mentioned that your grandfather had, had dementia. Can you tell us a little bit more about? Um and, and is he the only one I should ask in, in your family that has had dementia um that you that you've had to had to deal with?
1: Yeah. so I was very close to my grandparents as a little kid and, and still am today. Um spent a lot of time with Grandpa Mel, listening to his stories, just playing with him. We would play uh a lot of checkers, um And he would always whistle as he was moving the pieces down the board, very playfully. Me, we would make uh, fires in the fireplace and build these castles out of cardboard um, and watch them burn down. So he was always very playful. Would wrestle with us on the couch. And um, as I got a little older, was able to like listen to the stories from his life, and which always fascinated me that he was able to live, you know, 70 years before I was even born. Um, and all of these events and things that I could only hear about um, in history textbooks or from my teachers that he had, he had lived through and had his own experiences with. So even at the age of like 10 or 12 years old, I just loved listening to him sharing his stories. Um, and around the time I was a teenager was when he was diagnosed with dementia and Alzheimer's. And I could you know watch firsthand those stories that had been so important to him kind of becoming fuzzier and fuzzier and him mixing up details that I was starting to know better than him because I had, you know, listened so attentively for all these years. Um, And we had had other family members in the past. Uh, My great grandfather, who I was able to know as a little, a little bit as a little kid, um, also had Alzheimer's. So I had some experience with that, but to have it be to my grandpa who was so close to, um, and the decline was so slow and subtle, uh, really, you know, hit home for me about how um, precious our memories are and 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 how fragile they can be.
0: Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? My my daughter only knew her grandma with dementia, and so and they were like mm. two peas in a pod. You know they were extremely close. So I, I love to hear that you have this great relationship, uh, you know, with your with your grandpa. Um, why were you moved to, to make the film? What was there a tipping point for you that just said, "Cannot not do this"?
1: Yeah, I had, you know, as so I uh, have worked on documentary films in the past and and studied documentary film at school, and I was um, just about to graduate college, and kind of was just thinking on what uh, was the next story that I wanted to focus on, and, you know, whatever film you're going to work on is going to take up about, you know, four to five years of your life, Um, and so I wanted to make sure that it was something that was very close to me, meant a lot to me, Um, and at the same time, this was when Grandpa Mel um, finally moved into a nursing home, and my grandmother, who, has. they've been together for over 60 years, had been his primary caregiver, um, you know, needed, needed the assistance and needed the help. And at this point, uh, Grandpa Mel's memories were, were all but lost. And I felt, you know, I was really losing um, my connection with him and wanted to figure out a way to hold on to that. One of the stories that he told me, maybe more than any other story that stood out the most from his life and his childhood was this bicycle adventure he went on when he was just 16 with his best friend and they rode from like the depression era Brooklyn all the way to the city of Philadelphia and you know this is the kind of story that like he would tell me again and again and again and I'm sure some of the details became a little larger than life um and as a little kid that always inspired me that just that sense of adventure and um all of the details of, of putting together an adventure like that and just going out on your bikes away from your parents and getting that sense of independence and my brother and i uh my brother kobe is a couple years younger than me both uh rode our bikes a lot uh and did long trips together uh kind of inspired by grandpa mel we once like rode our bikes out for a couple weeks through colorado and wyoming so i was thinking wouldn't it be an interesting way to hold on to my connection with him to recreate that bike trip that I had heard so much about that now he couldn't remember, um, from his childhood home of Brooklyn, uh, to where we coincidentally ended up growing up in Philadelphia. Uh, so that was the idea about four years ago. And as I predicted, it's, you know, ended up taking a long time, but something that's still, uh, has been very important and special to me.
0: Oh, neat. So, um, so you went to college and you were in the film industry to, to begin with. And, you know, you've got this close, close relationship with, with your grandfather. Was your, was your brother as close with your grandfather as well?
1: What's interesting is that Kobe, just being a few years younger than me, has does not have memories of grandpa before the Alzheimer's. And mm-hmm. that's a big difference for us. And as you're talking about your daughter, you know, is still able to have a very close connection with her grandma, which is which is wonderful. And I think Kobe has that too, but there's a difference to, um, I was able to, as Kobe says in the film, as we're talking about why going on this trip and he's sharing how he doesn't have memories of grandpa before Alzheimer's, he says to me, you know, maybe you're looking for something who had, whereas I'm looking for something I never had finding mm-hmm. something that I never got to witness. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, interesting. So when, when you decided, you know, the two of you, you know, kind of mulled this over, what did the rest of your family think about this venture?
1: Yeah, my we're So we're very close with my grandma, Grammy Connie, as we call her. Um, and she is an artist in her own right. And so She kind of played an integral role just uh, separately from me making this film. You know, she always talked about how when they met as camp counselors at the age of 19, um, back at Camp Wellmat in New York, you know, this was the main story that Mel was telling her as they were just connecting. And so she still had the photographs from 1945 of this bike trip. And she created a collage an art piece with these different uh, old photographs of the different parts of the trip, and that was at the same time as when I was thinking about recreating it. So um, we talked a lot about you know where would these places be? How would we find them today? Um, there's just tiny little clues that in written in Mel's handwriting as a teenager on the back of the photos about like uh, you know on our way to Perth Amboy, New Jersey, um, and then just different abstract things in the photo that can maybe give us a hint of you know, where those places could be today. Um, And ultimately, as I was, you know, the year leading up to actually going on the bike trip, which we filmed and we're now editing, um, I spent a lot of time with my grandma, interviewing her about her experience uh, being a caregiver for so long and what it was like to, you know, lose her life partner that she's been with since she was 19. Um, Also tracking down, my grandpa's childhood friend and lifelong friend George who had gone on that bike trip with him as a 16 year old and visiting him in Buffalo, New York and what was really special is that you know I had never gotten a chance to really talk to my grandfather as an adult Um, so I knew what he was like as a grandfather but not fully as a person so through talking with his his older brother who's still alive and I got to spend a lot of time with Lenny Um, And George and Grammy Connie, I was able to kind of get a sense of what he was really like, uh, understand him as a way to hold on to him, you know, um, Mm -hmm. find out about the high points of his life, his hopes and dreams, but also had very real interesting conversations about what his regrets were, you know, and his flaws and and what um, he learned from throughout the course of his life. Oh,
0: and That had to have been fascinating to interview and get other people's perspective, because I would imagine they all had little twists and turns in each of them.
1: Absolutely. And that's the funny thing about memory, even for uh, those of us who have it completely intact, is that, you know, memory is not a fixed thing, as I'm sure we all know. And hearing these stories uh, told from these different perspectives, sometimes the details would be, you know, very different. Um, and even you know on so on the bike trip, my brother and I uh, were very close as kids, but also what came with that was a lot of uh, conflict and tension. And you know, as we're kind of exploring Grandpa Mel's past, we also kind of have to face our own. Um, and so much of the conflict between Kobe and myself, uh, which I'm sure is common among siblings, is is memory and that we have these different memories or uh, different perspectives on memories, different ways that we've hurt each other in the past, things that we're still holding on to. And ironically, as I was, you know, trying to hold on to my grandpa's memories, I was realizing Kobe and I may get along better hypothetically if we could let go of some of the painful memories between us.
0: Sure. And I I think pretty much every family has that. And are they willing to discuss it or not is, all, is a whole nother matter. You know, in an open, open fashion. But I mean, what a what an exploration. Now, when you're putting this whole you know um, trip together and kind of recreating um, his bike trip. I'm sorry, we've got a little static in the background, and I'm not sure what what's causing that at all. Um, so I don't know if Is it's that our any better? that. Yep, that's much better. Much much better. Okay. Okay. on that um so you're you know you're putting this path together and I it looked like you you and Colby had taken a picture kind of at the same place where your grandfather had taken a picture and made a stop is that correct or, or yeah
1: or I... we yeah that was that was the goal that's kind of the mission of the bike trip is is uh not just go from New York to Philadelphia but really try to figure out like where exactly he went and find those exact locations that the photos are in, recreate them today. Um, and that was a lot of work and, and very interesting to realize, oh, that's going to be more difficult than I thought. Um, and there's one photo in particular of my grandfather standing at this uh, road sign that says, you know, 17 miles to Elizabethtown, 13 miles to Red Bank. And we realized, oh, okay, so we just have to find the exact spot that's that many miles from these different towns. And uh-huh. we... You know, we are spent a year leading up to the trip researching it on our bikes, uh, on our laptops, um, finding it on Google Maps, but not being 100% sure if that was going to be the location. Um, mm-hmm. So that p- photo in particular was incredible in South Amboy, New Jersey, finding the exact bridge that had... Uh, stood so cleanly back in 1945 was now covered in vines and you could see the cracks on it and you could, you know, literally see the 70 years of age that had happened. And we had Kobe pose in the exact position that my grandfather was in um, and took a photo. And, and, you know, for me, and I think something that like is, uh, can potentially be very healing for all of us that are uh, losing uh, of a member of a family who has Alzheimer's or, or just loss in general is just something about standing in the physical location that we know that they were in um, as a way to really kind of experience what it was like to be there. And then also remember like we're part of this continuum um, and now here we are in that location. And even if they can't be there anymore, I found it very personally powerful.
0: Yeah, I was a, did you feel overwhelmed by emotion at any time during the trip? I, I for me I would think that would just be like woof.
1: Absolutely. I, yeah, I think you know th- throughout the throughout the making of the film just watching footage um one in particular that always is is hard to watch but also um it's hard to watch because it's it's painful, but it's also very beautiful. As, um, I filmed George, the lifelong friend of my grandpa, that went on this bike trip with him, uh, visiting Grandpa Mel in the nursing home and seeing mm-hmm. their reunion after so many years. And, you know, George is clearly trying to hold himself together and having a difficult time, but um, was really inspired by his uh, just compassion and empathy. He was sharing with Grandpa Mel and you know, asking like, "You remember we went on this bike trip? You know, we used to be really good friends. And then, when it was clear that my grandpa wasn't gonna be able to really share that with him, just George, you know, getting close to him and holding his hand. And as George says, it's like, well, you know, Mel may not remember these adventures we went on, but I do. And I think that's mm-hmm. important. And I'm, I'm happy to be here for him in whatever uh, condition he's in. And that you know that that really meant a lot to me and ultimately uh taught me like what it what it really means to love someone and despite them going through the situation what it means to really be there for that person and and not not need anything from them if they can't remember
0: yeah that's true unconditional love you know when when you can just be there without any expectation and um and those powers of those memories i know you know my mom had dementia for 30 years alex and And there were times when going through that process, I thought she didn't know, but I can't tell you how many moments of clarity there were where she was able to respond. And so one of the things that that I really learned through my journey was that dementia, um, as it progresses, I think we have to almost view it um, like a coma. We've accepted the Mm. fact that people in a coma can still take everything in, but they might not be able to communicate back to us. And right. I, and I saw that profoundly happen so many times. And, you know, it, it makes me sad when people say, Oh, they're just a shell of a body. Cause I believe they are, you know, their soul still exists and still is connected to us, but we are just, we're looking for the wrong signals. We're looking for the real, you know blatant you know where we want those words and those sentences and we're missing out sometimes on the the eyes and the, the the glint or the sorrow or whatever they're showing us or you know the hand movements or just the the slightest of a smile you know all, so those little, all those little non-verbals because we're we're so busy kind of in our grief and our loss that you know we're losing that the the pre- the present moment that's given to us, and mm. so you know for me the the journey was really one of of learning to balance that that fear of the future and what's all going to come and worrying about it and then that the grief of the loss that can spin and and one of the things that helped me and I always share this with. Everybody I speak to is, um, you know, you can't have great loss without great love, and that is, a mm. and that would always That's kind of pull too. me out of that out of that sinkhole. And then, you know, we can only um, identify and create joy in the moment before us. And so, all that you're doing, you know, you're taking this journey down the path to bring it back to create moments and to, to educate yourself and just, you know, have this more significant knowing um, I think is, is really, really um, just profound what you and your brother, you know, committed to do. How long did it take you to take that trip and how long was it? Yeah.
1: Well, so Mel and George in 1945 did it in two days. Um, and it took us two weeks, (laughs) because we were going, we had uh, cameras, you know, attached to the bikes and packed up, so every few miles, we'd have to get off and set up and everything like that, Um, so ironically, you know, while their trip was kind of this spontaneous, very freeing experience, ours had to be, uh, in order to recreate it, much more planned and scheduled, Um, and of course, the landscape has changed quite a bit, too, so across New Jersey back then, they were just going through farm fields and forests. For us, it was a lot of um, suburbs and cities that were less friendly to bikes. In one case, there was a ferry that they took back in the 40s that ushered them across the river uh, that didn't exist for us. And the only uh, way across the river today was a bridge that didn't allow bicycles. So we uh, found a fisherman a fishing with a fishing boat uh, that was willing to for free take us across the river uh, when we told him what we were doing, which um, we filmed as part of of the film. Um, And just kind of a funny uh, way we had to scrape together and and make the trip that they took still work for us today in in the Mm -hmm. 21st century.
0: Wow. Well, that, you know, and that it's, it's neat to see how people pitch in, you know, when, when you share your story of what you're doing, um, you know, powerful stuff. Powerful stuff, and people like to help out and, and and get involved. And I think sometimes we're afraid to ask. But you know, what an uplifting story for him to go home and tell his friends. Gosh, I met these two guys. Is <laughs> yeah, I wonder what. Doing. Doing. You know, I, yeah. I think sometimes we underestimate, you know, our our power of one and our connectiveness. Um to one another, but I'm sure that's something he went and shared and and um you know was just amazed that that two you know young gentlemen were willing to do this um and, you know it's a big it's a big commitment um you know to yeah, take I think like I, that th- on.
1: I think it's something that uh you know a lot of people can connect with, even if they don't have a family member with Alzheimer's, as we all know what it's like to uh, have loss. And, and I think something that I would like to see more in the Alzheimer's community that um, this film is hoping to help with is, is raising awareness in younger generations and kind of having more intergenerational connection. Cause I think for folks in my generation, millennials or younger, you know, Alzheimer's is only uh, going to be uh, more of a problem. and The numbers are rising and it's important for us to start getting involved now and being aware. And ultimately I feel that the most precious thing we can do um, when our elders are losing their memory is just really try to listen to them and and hold on to that. Um, So I hope that other folks are, are moved to, you know, just remember how limited our time is and that incredible that we have this brief overlap with, people in our lives that have experienced more life before us. And, and ultimately, you know, the film is, uh, I see it as a time capsule for uh, my hypothetical grandchildren, whoever in the future, if, if one day, I'm not able to remember uh, to have this story that is able to share those memories with them because they'll never get to meet my grandfather Um, but I was the one that will have been the link between them. And I think, you know, we all are links between these different generations Um, and the best way we can continue the uh, connection between all of them is making sure that we're really listening to each other and and sharing those stories, passing them on.
0: Exactly. Well, and that's, um, I mean, you're really thinking forward and I, I just, I think the intergenerational connection is so important. I think we need to educate, you know, kids when they're little on this. And it's nice to see there's some books being written about mm-hmm. Alzheimer's disease and dementia for, you know, our, our young kids on up. I've gone into um, schools and I've been shocked at how many kids in junior high and high school are taking care of, you know, parents or grandparents. Um, or watching mm. out for a neighbor, and and there really isn't one of the things that came out in those conversations was there's no support for them. You know, we've got all these groups in support groups in schools, but there isn't anything for caring for another person. And um, so some of the teenagers in in some of the schools had said, hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna march in and say we want one too. You know, we've got needs, and, and they were shocked to find out others were in the same boat as them because it's just something that a lot of people don't talk about. So I think, you know, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's real critical for, for families to have open conversations. What I heard um, from many of the kids was, I know, I know something's going on, but I don't really know what. My parents kind of keep me from the details. They ask me to kind of fill mm. in, but I don't really know what's going on, and and I see that the you know the sincereness of these of these kids wanting to help but not knowing how because they're not totally filled in, and yet their whole family dynamics has been you know shaken to the core, and so yeah. you know when we have these conversations and we we can empower everybody and oh my gosh, you guys have such great creative ideas of things to do and how to manage and you're more tech savvy than many of us. And I mean, there's just, you know, when we work together, we're just better, uh, you know, that's absolutely why, that's Yeah. Why,
1: yeah. Our, our culture has uh, the different generations and age groups so siloed off and, um, You know, I I feel like we need to make sure that young people are engaging with their elders, not just when they're sick and when they're losing their memories. But um, one thing that we're going to do with the film when we're uh, for distribution is uh, having community screenings that connect youth groups, colleges, universities with senior centers, with councils on aging. Because I want to bring, you know, people of different age groups in the same room um, to talk about alzheimer's but also just to talk about their perspectives on life and getting to um so much so much of the time we're just hearing about each other through uh second secondary sources or stereotypes of what different age groups are like but really getting to just remember like oh this is this is a person for elders to see a young person and remember like oh i was in a similar position you know and for young people to realize like oh i'm I'm going that's gonna be me i'm i'm I will age and I will uh, experience that as well. Um, I would love to continue to bring people together in that capacity.
0: you know doing the screenings in that setting um is phenomenal. I've done that with the movie his neighbor Phil, which is now called a timeless love and you know when the director brought it to me, he's like, you know how do we get this out? you know should we it on tv should we put it on red box do we sell dvds and i said absolutely none of those and he's mm. like well what what's left <laughs> and i said you have a powerful medium here that takes people back because when they go to see a film they don't really see it as a learning tool you know mm-hmm. and it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: these these films are so intimate and when you put them in a place where it's safe and supportive. The conversations are brilliant. People talk about things they've never told anybody before to perfect group of strangers. And they typically Mm. want to bring more people back. I mean, I, I love doing those screenings because it's just, you know, and then it, it centers the core kind of support group of in their community, who can they go to You know, for help because there's such a disconnect of what do I even need? Who can even help me in this? And you, you kind of settle them right in that nice little cushion. And uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm just not a big grandiose person, (laughs) even though I, I just have found that, (laughs) you know, keeping it simple um, and making sure that you're truly connecting with the people is powerful and. Um, many still when they do these screens of these powerful films will have a panel of experts. And so after the film, all the experts are doing is talking at the audience instead of engaging mm-hmm. the audience to talk to them because each and every one of them has a story, has a perspective we need to hear because, you know, the, the broader, our perspectives can be, the, the better we can meet, meet their needs with services and be supportive and get an idea um, so easily through storytelling that, you know, each journey is different. Each, each person with dementia, each care partner, each environment, and it's going to constantly change. That's just life. And if we look at ourselves, that's the way life was before dementia too. We just, we just don't look at it like that. You know, we always think we're in control of everything and
1: and it's easy to take it for granted.
0: Yes. Perfect. That's, that sums it up really nice and you don't know what you're missing until, until it's gone. And um, this is a way to, you know, to help out the next person in line on the journey. And, support one another as you, as you walk together, you know, through that Um, memory cafes might be a nice place to be able to, to share that film too. Um, I don't know. Very true. We've
1: actually been, yeah, we've been uh, talking with them. I've been talking with Dave who runs it and we'll be having an article up there about the film and the crowdfunding campaign soon. And yes, definitely. It's a great idea that I think they do a great job bringing folks together exactly how we're talking about so i would love to bring the film to them too
0: exactly and then there's so many different dementia friendly communities and the library systems are really big um in getting into this space as well and so they Mm -hmm. might be somebody who would sponsor too so yeah you just you never know it's always have a conversation and see where it leads you know because people Mm -hmm. are people are connected and when you touch them at a on a heart level, those, they open up their contacts to you then.
1: Absolutely. um, And that's something I'm looking forward to because, you know, in the process of sharing our family's story, uh, as you were saying earlier, it can be, it can be isolating and you don't always know like who else is experiencing it and through the process of making this and having the campaign and talking with people, just hearing other uh, people's stories and how they've been touched by it, how they've responded, how it's challenged them. Um, you know, has been really meaningful to me and my family and to just remember like, oh, right, this is something that, you know, a lot of us are dealing with. There's a lot of different ideas on what we can do and how we can hold on to that connection. And um, I'm excited to continue to meet more people and and hear more stories.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think so much of, you know, what people expect with Alzheimer's and, and the various types of dementias is gloom and doom you know tight mm-hmm. there's a, there's a lot of fear but there's so much joy you know that can be had but we have to we have Absolutely. to educate people that it's still there that they're still able to connect that um this can this can still be a very magical time of life um if you choose to look for it if you choose to create it and uh... that's very
1: true that was true with my uh family as well is that you know my there's definitely the sadness and the loss But Mm -hmm. a lot of the times things would happen related to forgetting that are funny. And my grandma would be the first to laugh. And by seeing Grammy laugh, you know, grandpa would laugh as well. And and they would really be able to laugh about it together Um, and still just be, you know, silly, make silly faces and, and play games and just be in each other's company. Yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of the time there's still that very strong connection. That's not just based on, um having our memory memory completely there mhm exactly
0: so in in bringing this are you looking at uh two colleges or are you looking at maybe high school and junior high as well or
1: Yeah, we'll be, so we're uh, in, we're editing the film now, and about, there's about six months left is my prediction, Um, and then next year in 2020, we'll be bringing it to, yeah, exactly, high school colleges, senior centers, um, and we'll really go all over the country, and through this crowdfunding crowdfunding campaign we've been running, it's been a wonderful opportunity to reach out to people that will be audience members and connect with other folks that are interested in these stories. And a lot of the people that are supporting the campaign today will also be the first ones that we are able to bring the film to and, and get to share with their communities. Hmm.
0: Okay. Wonderful. Well, that's, that is great. Now in the, in the production state, how long do you think that's going to take you and, and what do you, you know, where do you do that and, and what is needed in that you know for you to be able to complete that
1: yeah so so much of this has been a labor of love um and in independent documentary filmmaking it usually has to be um and myself and a a small team of filmmakers have put in you know countless hours into editing the film after you know not to mention all of the filming obviously and organizing the footage because there's you know, over a hundred hours of interviews and bike trip, and you have to transcribe that and organize it. uh, Otherwise it's uh, kind of a maddening, like too chaotic of a process. Um, And now moving forward, we need to raise funds for things that we're not able to do, but helps make the film as quality as possible and have another editor that has more experience and also can offer an an outsider perspective of a story I'm so close to Um, Mm -hmm. there's more technical things like color correction and sound design and music scoring and and graphics and and all that it's um, we've we've taken the film as far as we can on our own and I still have a lot of energy left to put more uh, of my time and energy into it but we're at a point now where we really need help from the community to to make the story possible and we've when we launched the crowdfunding campaign on Seed and Spark uh, just last week in mid-October, um, the immediate response has been really um, moving and uplifting, and to see people wanting to help, the story being told, and contributing, and and reaching out, talking about you know their own experiences, has really really meant a lot to me.
0: Oh, very cool. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. I um, you know I just love. I, I just love hearing people's stories and what they're doing and, and using their talents in their own way. The creativity that is out there is is amazing. Now they can go, you've got a trailer that people can, can watch to kind of get a feel for yes. what you're doing and, yes. and we've put that link on the, the radio page. We've also put the website in your crowdfunding page. Um, yes, if, if you well go to... it's
1: it. Yeah, it's com slash fund slash now and again, which is the name of the film.
0: Okay, is it now? Because I've got now and again and then a pound sign story. Does that need to be there? Yes. Or...
1: Okay. That works too. <laughs> they'll they'll okay. take you to the same place.
0: Okay, okay. I had not heard of um, Seed and Spark before. So um, that's great. So what is your goal for, for raising funds and in, in time frame?
1: Yeah, the c- campaign uh, lasts about 30 days. So from October 14th to November 14th. Um, and we've come a long way. There's still m- more time to go. We're raising $15,000 um, for the editor, for the color correction, for the sound design. We have a bunch of uh, incentives that the website calls it. You know, these like crowdfunding mm-hmm. campaigns ask for that. So um, for example, found this uh going through my grandma's basement helping her clean up found uh, this kind of treasure chest of these like newly near condition new condition magazines from the 50s 60s and 70s like Newsweek uh, Mad TV there's a Playboy magazines that I think were my uncles uh, (laughs) from the the, the 60s and so by contributing we uh, uh, some folks will be able to get some of those items uh in main condition we also um there's a reward of you know behind the scenes of the films um one thing that we thought would be fun is asking the supporters you know like what do you think be a, being a part of the process of making the documentary so uh being part of our test panel of experts um and and sending rough cuts of the film and really you know asking honestly like for your rough feedback that's if people are, are interested in that um But yeah, really, you know, we have a a Facebook and uh, there's a lot of folks on there. It's now and again, Doc. um, And people have been really generous sharing their stories. And and, um, we talk a lot about research and and ways we can keep our minds sharp. And it's just been kind of slowly building this community of support online.
0: Okay. Have you, and I don't know if you've ever considered this, but I know some films have uh, and, and some haven't, but for donors, you know, they get their name listed um, in some capacity. And for some, it's even more important to have their, you know, maybe a picture of their loved one, you know, just so there's, there's these faces and connections of who's That's been so affected true. Yeah. by it. so true,
1: that's a great idea because we do have uh contributing we'll also get your name as a, a thank you in the credits and um a shout out in that way but I actually love that's such a good idea Lori to have the photographs of people's loved ones I I love that I, I think we might just have to do this
0: yeah it's um I think it's just a powerful thing and it um I, to me it just it cements the deal because you know the credits go by quick and but you know those those pictures, just you know, as they say, a picture says a thousand words, and mm, it, it's mm-hmm. it's the power of you know who's been affected because sometimes people think, oh, it's just the very elderly, you know, and there's there are um, you know people in their thirties, forties, and fifties we are seeing early onset starting to, to get diagnosed with dementia. I, I interviewed a couple of people who have lost you know eighteen and twenty year olds. Um, mm. You know to this disease So the face is changing And it's a reality that we all Have to you know Adjust to and our, our, We have to change the perception Of life with dementia And you know yeah. there's no There's no cure there's no True set prevention there's a lot Of you know good ideas out There but we don't really know if they work or not At this mm. point And um and so, yeah, it's a it's a tough one. So we have to learn to live as graciously as possible, you know, with the disease. Um, Alex, are there? You know, I know you had mentioned that you feel that it's important for, for young people to to get involved in the conversation. If you had a group before you right now, what what would you say to in, to empower them to step up and get involved?
1: I think first and foremost um, is whether your grandparents are still with you or not, there are elders in your life that you can learn from and connect with. Um, And I think the most important fundamental part of uh, Alzheimer's awareness is just creating that intergenerational connection Um, that doesn't even have to be based on what do we do when someone is uh, beginning to lose themselves to us. Um, so I, I'd say really working on those connections, whether it's someone in your family, a family friend, um, and I think that goes both ways. I think, um, you know, elders, um, seniors, just adults in general need to remember that, you know, young people have experiences and stories as well. So the the curiosity um, needs to be reciprocal. And, and I think that is a very powerful way we can bring more people in to uh, have more caretakers and, and helpful ways to have communities around support for this. Um, and I, of course, you know, there's, there's organizations like the Alzheimer's Association um, or Hilarity for Charity is uh, a particularly good intergenerational organization that connects uh, millennials with seniors that are experiencing Alzheimer's. It's run by Seth Rogen. I'm the comedian and actor. Um, Mm -hmm. So those are great organizations to get involved with if you're interested in um, doing so in that capacity. Um, Yeah.
0: Wonderful. And I guess to, to families, I would just really encourage you to not isolate your kids and don't, don't leave them out of the conversation. This is a, you know, this disease has a ripple effect through families. And when, you know, kids are, Kind of kind of the center of attention, and then all of a sudden maybe can't be anymore because of circumstances. I personally mm-hmm. believe they have a right to know why and and you know let them get involved, let them help um, they've got a lot of energy, they have a lot of compassion that you might not even know is is in there um, mm-hmm. and so unleash it and and come together as a family uh, I, I think you will be amazed at at what what they have to contribute and what, what you'll learn from them. I, I think kids are wonderful teachers to all of us. And, you know, sometimes as adults, we, you know, we have learned to um, kind of package things up and be in control and not always speak our piece where our kids will tell us what they see. And Absolutely. Um, and I think that that's an important conversation uh, to be had. You know, to to be honest about what's going on and how it's affecting. I mean, I, when I like I said, when I go into schools, they would they would tell me they could see their parents were exhausted, or they were scared, or they were frustrated, or you know that money was tight, or uh, they were worried about losing their job for taking off time for work, for maybe doing different things. I mean, they, they saw all that, they felt all that and yet they didn't feel like there was anything they could do because the the door to the conversation wasn't open. And Mm. um, I I think sometimes, you know, we don't, we don't need anybody to fix us. We just need to be heard. And, um, you know, most families nowadays, you know, are all saying that they don't talk as much because of our phones and, you know, the kids are texting or playing a video game or the parents are on their phone, you know, doing work or whatever it might be. But we're all sidetracked from one another. And, and I think uh, I, I really do believe dementia is here to teach us a lesson to come back and have that sense of family and have that sense of community and to bring us to back to a simpler time where it doesn't have to be big and flashy to be important and to have depth. So, Absolutely. So again, thank and you just, for your work. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on, Lori. I really appreciate it. I, I appreciate the, this podcast and the work that you're doing.
0: Oh, thank you. And again, you can um, reach Alex. Um, you can go to ashbornfilms.com or their uh, their website there. And um, then you've got the trailer link and you also have the crowdfunding link, which I think it would be great to help support them and get this film out and, you know, help our intergenerational events move up and, and connect us uh, when it comes to Alzheimer's and, and the various types of dementia. Um, I can't imagine how proud your, your parents and, and your grandparents are of you doing this whole whole process Um, what a commitment just fabulous
1: yeah thank you yeah it's been a really meaningful family project for sure
0: good and thank your brother uh Colby for joining you on that trip too I'm sure that there's a there's a lot you both learned and are probably still processing you know through this through this whole thing and um and they're the friends and family that that opened up to talk to you about about your grandfather as well in this journey and all the work your grandma went through pulling out those pictures and stuff that had to have been a, a just a heartwarming process for her in a lot of ways i would imagine um really touched her yeah. heart so again so again thank you for all your work and keep us posted on on how you're doing And in um, wrapping up, I'm just going to um, give a shout out to a couple other organizations. Uh, uh, Women's Alzheimer's Movement, which is Maria Schreiber's, um, is going to be doing the Move for the Minds this fall. You can find out more information. But Maria is just uh, such a wonderful, wonderful person and so sincere and is really raising the bar in terms of, What's happening regarding um, the the equity position of women versus men uh, being diagnosed with this, and it's uh, doing a lot with research. So check out the Women's Alzheimer's dot org, and that's the Women's Alzheimer's dot org for more information there. I would also recommend you check out the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. Um, they just do a lot holistically. So if you're looking for you know, diet, exercise, meditation alternatives, they do a great job there. And you can just go to alzheimersprevention.com. And again, we appreciate all your likes, your clicks, and shares. And don't forget to head over to alzheimerspeaks.com. You can click on our projects and initiatives um, tab where you'll find a lot of great information from um, memory cafes to becoming dementia friendly um, and so forth. And, and then, you know, we've got some, some resources there for you. Or if you're looking for a speaker, trainer, or consultant, feel free to reach out. We'd love to talk to you. And last but not least, we'd love to have you on the show and hear what your story is. Everybody has one. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great week. Bye now.
1: It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sylvester here, host of Retire Repurposed.